Before we start this episode, just a quick apology. The audio quality on my microphone is not 100% during the interview. Welcome to CRE Success, the podcast, where we help people working in commercial real estate achieve their professional goals. Check us out online at CREsuccess.co forward slash podcast. And now here's your host, Darren Krakowiak. Hey there, welcome to episode nine in season two of CRE Success, the podcast. My special guest today is Gerald Clerks from Engage Brilliantly. Gerald specializes in helping people in commercial real estate master the art of client engagement. And today we're going to be talking all about the critical components to a winning pitch. So make sure you do stick around for that. But I want to tell you now about CRE Success membership because we are reopening the doors to new members in less than two weeks. The membership revolution has finally arrived in commercial real estate. And I say membership revolution because think about all of the areas in the economy that are adopting a membership solution for their customers. Of course, Netflix is the obvious one that comes to mind. Maybe you're a member of Amazon Prime, so you get that free delivery all the time when you want something delivered. Maybe you get your groceries home delivered or you have meal preparation kits that come every single week. And what about software, right? It used to be that you would buy the box of Microsoft Office from the computer shop. Well, now you just pay a monthly or an annual fee to have Microsoft Office on your computer or even to have storage in the cloud. So the membership revolution has definitely transformed the way that products and services are delivered in our economy. And I think it's time that it came to commercial real estate to allow people that work in the industry to make a commitment to their own professional growth. Just like when you join a gym, you're really making a commitment to your own physical well-being, your physical health. Well, why not make a commitment to reach your full potential as a commercial real estate professional so you can hit your income goals, so you can advance your career, and so you can make a bigger impact in your marketplace. I'm going to be inviting you to become a member of CRE Success Membership, but I can only do that if you do go and register your interest at CREsuccess.co forward slash membership. So go and hit that website and register your details and you'll be the first to know about everything that is included within CRE Success Membership. I would love to serve you as a member. So go and check it out, CREsuccess.co forward slash membership. I'll be back with Gerald Clerks in 30 seconds. 90% of the world's data was generated in the last two years. Credia is a business intelligence and analytics tool for commercial real estate professionals. Using real-time insights, track key portfolio metrics and benchmark against the market so you can make faster and well-informed decisions. With live dashboards and bespoke reporting, impress both your executive team and your property clients. It's time to turn data into your most valuable asset with Credia from Released. And now it's time for the interview on CRE Success, the podcast. Harold, welcome to CRE Success, the podcast. It's a pleasure to be here, Darren. Well, the first thing that we do in each episode is jump into the virtual elevator and we ask our guests to deliver their elevator pitch. So, Gerald, who are you? All right. Well, hi, everyone. My name is Gerald Clerks. And what I do and what I have been doing for the past 20 years is to help my clients become more successful at helping their clients become more successful. And Darren, while I know that might sound strange, especially if I said it to you on an elevator, 
It's really at the core of what I do. And in, in fact, it's at the core of what we all do. You, I, and those people listening to the podcast are really all successful to the extent that we partner with our clients and drive value for that individual. So the more success we bring to a client, the more success we experience ourselves. Well, Joe, it's great to have you here. You and I met in March 2021 as we were both speakers at a global conference for a commercial real estate firm. And I think today is a great opportunity to hear about how you serve the industry. So I want to ask you, why commercial real estate? Yeah, I was in, after graduating from college, I got into the residential real estate business and I quickly found myself achieving success in that business and was asked to begin training. And one of the events that I was training at, a commercial real estate senior level executive was in the audience and said, we need this in our business in commercial. And so I began training for that company back in 2002 and have never looked back. I love the industry. I love the complexity of the deal. And so that's how I got into the business. Excellent. Well, let's get into it then. Jared, what are the five essentials of a winning pitch? Well, before I talk about the five essentials of a winning pitch, the five essentials of a winning pitch are the five things that ultimately prevent us from losing business. And so let's talk about where we fail in this business. And because what I've discovered in the years and the 20 years of working in this industry, there's only five reasons, Darren, why a commercial real estate broker will have a failed client engagement experience. And so when I say failed client engagement experience, it might mean that they didn't secure the listing, they didn't secure the leasing assignment, or even if they did secure it, they were unable to produce a successful outcome. And so I'm going to reiterate these as failures, and then we'll talk about the five essentials of a successful client experience. Fair enough? Fair enough. Love it. All right. First reason why commercial brokers or anyone in a client-facing role loses business is because they don't understand the client requirement. And let's just talk specific for commercial real estate. The average commercial broker, in my experience, only generates between a 40 to 60% understanding of the client requirement before attempting to prescribe a solution. Now, it's interesting, Darren, is that we think, or the brokers I work with think they're better listeners than they actually are. Because typically when they leave a meeting, they think they have a full understanding. But I can prove to them that they've only got a partial understanding of the client need. Okay, got it. Yeah, so that's failure number one. And failure number two is really a subsection of failure number one. And failure number two is a failure to overcome or sorry, to communicate a viable property or service solution. And what I mean by that is, and that's largely tied to failure number one, is that we end up providing them with the wrong solution because of an inadequate understanding or an incomplete understanding of their requirement. And so we show them the wrong property. We provide the wrong marketing strategy that doesn't resonate for them. And uh, so that's another reason why we can lose the business. And that's really a, a byproduct of number one and not understanding the brief. Yeah. And Darren, in addition to that, though, even if we did understand the brief, even if we did a good job on understanding the brief, it's still possible that we don't communicate our solution. And we deliver two solutions, property solutions and strategy solutions or services solutions. And in some cases, we might have the right property or the right service solution, but we don't communicate it in a way to the client that they see it as solving their real estate problem. And so they'll end up going elsewhere. Got it. Okay. What's number three? Number three is a failure to differentiate from our primary competitors in the marketplace. 
the commercial real estate industry is becoming quite commoditized because virtually, you know, there are six, seven, eight, or nine really strong companies with a global platform. It's difficult for the client to tell the difference between those organizations. And, and if you're unable to communicate and articulate a reason or an, a value that you can bring to the partnership that's stronger than a competitor, then they'll end up making or deferring their decision to fee structure or price. Okay. I've got some thoughts on that, but I won't get out of your rhythm, but I will ask you just one question. What's a better differentiator, one's company or one's personal brand? Well, that is a very good question because if it's just me working with a client, then it becomes a personal differentiator. I think there's three differentiators that every broker must be able to speak to. Number one, their own personal brand or what we sometimes call their red shirt identity, a unique attribute about themselves, but also the team the team that's working alongside you? What's the differentiator of your team to the competitors in your marketplace? And the final thing that we have to be able to speak to is what differentiates the company that we represent where that's necessary. And that might be necessary on a national level if we're dealing with a client on a national level or a global level. But more often than not, it's what differentiates my team from the competitors that are also pitching for the business. Got it. Okay. What's number four, Joe? Number four is a failure to align with the client's unique decision-making needs. And here's what I mean by that. I've sat through, recorded, and critiqued, Darren, over 3,000 commercial real estate presentations. And that's a lot. And what I can tell you is that in most cases, the commercial agent is presenting to themselves, not the client. And what do I mean by that? What I mean by that is they're communicating a message that's tailored for themselves. They say what they think is important. They point to the evidence that supports their own logical decision-making needs. They speak at a pace, tone, and volume that's pleasing for them to hear. They give the amount of content that convinces them logically. In essence, they're pitching to themselves. But the only thing that really matters in any commercial presentation is what the client needs to see, hear, and experience to move them forward to making the right decision. And yet, we end up pitching to ourselves, and that's a failed outcome. I love that one. What's number five? Number five, the last one is a failure to overcome your client's fears, frustrations, and positional impasses. Mm -hmm. I know that's a bit of a broad one, but if we can't overcome, and right now there's a lot of fear in the marketplace. The current situation, economic situation, the pandemic has caused a lot of tenants to go into a concern about their future, the viability of their business moving forward. A lot of landlords wondering what they're going to do to repurpose their space to meet with a changing consumer demand investors concerned about their investments moving forward. So if we as a broker are unable to overcome those fears or deal with the corresponding frustrations or bridge the positional differences between buyer, seller, landlord, and tenant, the deal's going to end up falling apart. Yeah, fears and frustrations is a good one. It really gets into more of the psychology of what's going on as opposed to just what's on the table. It's really about a little bit, I guess, beneath the surface, if you like. Oh, yeah, it is. And and you're absolutely right. A frustration can be real or perceived. I mean, if as an example, if I get a low ball offer, if I'm representing a client who gets a low ball offer, that low ball offer could just be a standard negotiating approach for that individual. But the perception might be that it's an insult or that the person's being unrealistic. So, you know, the thing about most sources of frustration is in some cases it's real, in some cases it's just a perceptual misunderstanding. Okay, so that's the five 
what did you call them common mistakes or what was the wording that you used? Five failed client or the five reasons why client engagement experiences fail. Okay, love that. And can we get on now to the five essentials of a winning pitch? Yeah, I will. But before we do that, Darren, there's somebody, there's some of your listeners are saying, Gerald, there's another reason. And I will say this, the other reason is that you never had a chance to begin with. In some cases, agents or brokers are brought into a client meeting to deliver a pitch that they were never going to be considered for anyways. And I call that a conditional circumstance. So you don't really have control in that case. But I will tell you this, is that Anytime we get in the door, we have a chance to win the business because a lot of the pitch teams, Darren's, that I've worked with have gotten in the door without having a chance to begin with and ended up taking the business because they did something that was so far above what their competitors were doing in the marketplace. Yeah, that's interesting. I think sometimes when you receive an invitation to bid and that's the first you hear on of the opportunity, you're certainly less likely to win it, but it's also an opportunity to really disrupt the process. And if you're able to prove that you're spectacularly far ahead of the competition when it comes to, uh, certainly you're behind the egg ball on the relationship, because if you had the relationship, you would have known about the opportunity. But if you've really got excellent capability in the marketplace, or you've got a really great understanding of the brief, then you're not necessarily dead in the water. Exactly right. And what you're talking about is this is where these five essentials that we're going to speak to come into play. Because if you do these things better than the competitors, if you rise above in terms of the level of understanding that you generate during that initial client assessment, you're in essence differentiating yourself. And so the thing I love about what we're going to talk about here is core competency skill sets in their own self are differentiators because clients can tell when they're being better understood. Clients can tell and tell the difference between a more effective presentation you know, over a less effective presentation. So we should get into it and talk about what those essentials are. Okay, let's get into it. Yeah, well, the first one then is the ability to generate a comprehensive understanding of the client requirement. And that is fundamental because the assessment or that initial client brief serves as the foundation for every successful client experience. And, you know, I think Stephen Covey years ago, Darren, I don't know if you remember the name, but he wrote a book called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. One of the things that he said back in the day is if a client does not have confidence in the diagnosis of their problem, they will not have confidence in the prescription of your solution. And I think that's paramount. And what we have a tendency to do, our brokers have a tendency to do, is prescribe solutions before understanding the problem. And so the first real element of a winning and successful client presentation and client engagement experience is to generate a broader and deeper understanding of the client need than anybody else is. Love that one. Yes, I totally agree. What is number two? Well, number two then is to communicate a viable solution, to communicate a clear and compelling message to your client in terms of the solution that you're bringing to the partnership. Here, well, I told you earlier, Darren, that I've sat through, recorded, and critiqued over 3,000 commercial real estate presentations. And there's a term that we sometimes use in this business in terms of how that presentation shows itself to the client. And we call it the spray and pray or the show up and throw up approach. And I know it doesn't sound pretty, Darren, but really what it is, is it's great content because every broker has good content. We've all got good content knowledge. but What's missing is the structural integrity of the message. And so it's great content spilled out onto a table, but a really good presentation is linear in nature. It's not circular. It's everything that is said follows a linear format leading to a definitive and conclusive outcome. 
And so what that element is really about is it's structuring a sound presentation that follows a linear format so that the client follows and at the very end of the presentation is clear as to why they're securing your services or the property that you represent. A sort of a clear storyline. It, it builds the case over time and it's communicated clearly. One thing that I'm thinking of when you say that is the tendency of some people to phone it in and just give a sort of off-the-shelf presentation, maybe with one or two bespoke slides, but that's really not going to cut it if you want to give that clear and compelling solution, as you've mentioned, that needs to be communicated. Yeah. And Darren, that's why step number one is so important because you cannot take an off-the-shelf presentation. And unfortunately, that's what a lot of commercial agents do is they cut and paste from a previous pitch. But if you've done a good job in the assessment phase, you've uncovered information that's not relevant to any of your previous presentations. And therefore, you have to have a custom tailored and client-centric content in the presentation you deliver. And there's one other thing I want to say about a good presentation. There are three elements that create a winning viable solution or a winning pitch, and that is relevant content, logical structure, and confident delivery. If we're missing or if an agent misses any of those things, it weakens the presentation. And the one that's most often missing, Darren, in the presentations that I sit through is this logical structure. It's not sequential and it doesn't lead to a definitive outcome. I was going to guess that one because confidence wouldn't be a problem. And there's probably relevant content in there, but it's just the time hasn't been spent to put it together in the right way. So yeah, that makes perfect sense. So on to number three. Yeah. Number three is critical element is that you communicate a clear and compelling point of difference. And so what do I mean by a good point of difference? It's not just we have a great team. You know, there are technically 10 different ways to communicate or 10 different things to point to with respect to a team to communicate a point of difference. But Darren, it's not just the point of difference that's important. It's the value that that point of difference brings to the client. And that's where most of the presentations I listen to are missing. And the value is anything that supports the realization of what the client desires or the elimination of what the client fears. And I'm going to say that again for the listeners here, because this is a critical element of a good differentiator. It helps the client get closer to what they want in their business, in their real estate, or it helps them get further away from what they fear. And so that has to be linked to the actions that you take or the identity that you have or your point of difference in the marketplace. And if you can do that, then you create defensibility of decision. Every pitch we make, Darren, has to communicate to that individual, has to give them defensibility of decision. This is why I chose Darren to represent me in this transaction. And then they have to be able to communicate the message clearly to their leadership team, to their board of directors, or whoever they're responsible to. Putting that bulletproof case. Yeah. It's got to be a bulletproof case. And very rarely will I get a pitch that comes across my desk that has a bulletproof case for the person delivering it. And I guess that's one of the fears as well, is right? picking the wrong service provider in case something goes wrong. And then the person making the decision or the recommendation is then exposed. But if the decision was correct and because there was a compelling reason, then the decision can be supported. Yeah, absolutely, Darren. The decisions are typically rendered to who's the biggest company that's pitching for my business because I'm not going to lose my job as the decision maker here by hiring the biggest company. And so oftentimes the fallback is big, but the fallback shouldn't always be big because only one company is the biggest. Give the client a defensible reason as to why they should select you to represent them in the transaction that you're pitching for. 
Okay, so what's the fourth essential of a winning pitch? Well, the fourth essential, of course, eliminates the fourth failure, and that is a well-aligned and client-centric presentation. And what do I mean by that? Every pitch has three elements to it, content, structure, and delivery. Now, in what I do, I tell everybody to follow the same structural template. It's a linear template. But what needs to change based on the person that we're presenting to is the content and the delivery elements. Because if we're not aligned in how we communicate a message, and those of you listening to this call, you can attest to this. If I'm going too quickly for you, if I'm speaking too brashly or throwing too much information out at you, it's going to create anxiety because you're going to start to feel like you're being bombarded. If I go too slowly for you, if I'm not communicating enough information, it creates an emotional state of frustration. And in any pitch, if it's not perfectly aligned with that client's decision-making needs, it creates one of those two states, either frustration or anxiety. And when clients feel either of those states, they seek to disengage. And so part of this process is understanding who you're presenting to based on that initial client meeting and then tailoring the content and delivery of your message accordingly. Awesome. And let's see, if I wrote down the list before, uh, I could probably do the reverse of it. But what you tell me, what is number five? And I'm going to step back to number four for one sec, because I just realized I missed something here, Darren. One of the tools that we use very strongly in helping us tailor messages according to the individual's needs is a recognition of DISC, psychometrics. Yeah. Uh, DISC is a beautiful tool in helping us understand not only who we are, but also to be able to recognize how another person is different from ourselves, and then to be able to tailor that message accordingly. So that's one way that we do it. Not, another way to do it is to consider the role of the individual you're presenting to. Because if I'm pitching to a CFO, it should look and sound different than if I'm pitching to a CEO or a COO or somebody in a leadership role versus a financial role, because each one of them have their own respective fears and frustrations or anxieties. And therefore, they need different content to be able to alleviate the fears or to support the desires. Does that make sense? It does make sense, but I want to do a follow-up question there. Is it dangerous to assume a certain disc profile for a certain role? Because if I say like the CEO is likely to be a high D, for example, but in this case, they're not a high D, then I might be misrepresenting the way that they're going to perceive information or is do you need to do both? You need to look at the disc as well as the position. Yeah, they're both independent of one another. And Darren, with your experience in the Asian marketplace, you'd recognize that a lot of the business leaders or CEOs in, in those markets are not high Ds. High D CEO is very strong in the North American market, in the Australian businesses, we notice it more so. I think those are two are separate. It is fairly safe to say that most CFOs are highly compliant or high Cs, but it's not always true that a CEO would be a strong D leadership profile. So I always say, keep those separate, but once you know them both, tailor your presentation accordingly to the needs, the fears, the hopes, the desires of both those qualities, their disc profile and their role within the company. Alrighty, and finally wrapping up with number five. Number five, yeah, and that is the ability to overcome your client's fears, frustrations and positional impasses. And unfortunately, we typically, when somebody throws a fear our way or throws a statement of frustration, and I should step back for a sec, you can hear a person's fears, frustrations, and positions in the statements that they make. When a client says to you, your fees seem high, that is a fear, or it could turn into a position, but it's a fear of overpaying. 
when a client says you have a number of competing listings in the marketplace. That might just sound like an observation, but it's probably harboring a fear. And that fear might be that it's a conflict of interest, that you're too busy to service my listings or something else. And so we have to first off, Darren, be able to recognize when a client says something, is there a fear that sits beneath that statement? Is there a frustration that's brewing for them? Are they locking themselves into a fixed position? So we need to be able to recognize it. And then once recognizing it, we need to be able to resolve it. So we're talking about here is overcoming objections, but overcoming them based almost emotions instead of the base level logical reason, perhaps. Yeah, because once you deliver a good solution to a client problem, that's the presentation. And the client sees that, sees you as the right company to represent them in the leasing of their space or the sale of their asset. That's when we step to into the negotiation where the client then decides to negotiate. Now they could, or there's still an unresolved concern that they have about your team or whatever. So you said client objections, and sometimes there are objections externalized, like your fee's too high, or sometimes they're just internal objections, which is I'm concerned, or I have a concern about moving forward with your company that mm -hmm. needs to be resolved before I'm prepared to give you the business. But in either case, it's our responsibility to overcome those. Oh, exactly. And I thank you for explaining it. Internal, external objections is a good way of framing it. Now, Gerald, you're able to point to a 90% win rate amongst those who follow your client engagement model and apply your training. Is that correct? Yeah. And, you know, initially, I wanted to put something tangible out there. And since I've been doing this since 2002 and working with clients who are now seasoned in the business because they've been in the business for 20 years, the one thing that started to happen is an immediate increase in success rate. And why? Because they fundamentally changed every aspect of the client engagement experience. And the reason why I love the fact that there are, to, for people to know that there are five reasons why client engagement experiences fail is because once you understand those reasons that you can begin to acquire the skills, the insights, and the resources to prevent those failures from impacting future transactions. And so when a broker has all of the core competency skills, the essentials of a winning presentation, and they're doing things that are at a higher standard than the competitor, they tend to win a lot more business because they're differentiating themselves and they're operating at a higher standard. And so, yeah, 90% should be the goal, but it should only be the goal if you're operating at a higher level than everybody else in the market. Very lofty goal, but something for us all to aspire to. Gerald, I really appreciate you sharing the five essentials of a winning pitch. Really helpful and useful information. If our audience want to find out more about what you offer, where can they go? Well, they can go three places. They can go to my LinkedIn profile, which is probably where I spend or most of my efforts. And the last thing that we did, which was to support our clients in applying some of the things that we've talked about today and reminding them, is that I've developed an app. The app is called Engage Brilliantly. It's on the Apple App Store, and it's also on Google Play. And you can download that for free. And it'll just be videos as I travel around the world, giving some insights into the client engagement mastery, what to do and what not to do, and also how to respond to client fears, frustrations, and positional impasses. Excellent. Gerald, thank you so much for sharing the essential elements of a winning pitch on this episode of CRE Success, the podcast. It's been a pleasure, Darren. Thanks for having me. 
For more information about our guest, visit cresuccess.co forward slash podcast. And now a final thought from Darren Krakowiak. Okay, before we go, I just wanted to let you know about the special bonus episodes that are now appearing in your podcast feed from CRE Success, the podcast. We've had one come out so far on the seven keys to success, and we've got more coming out over the next couple of weeks. One of the seven keys to success is pitch and win. So how do you actually present in a way that is going to maximize the likelihood that you will win? Sound familiar? Yeah, we're just talking about that on today's episode. If you want more information on that particular topic from CRE Success, then you must make sure that you are either listening to the podcast bonus episodes, which are right here in your podcast feed, or of course, you can join us live on Facebook, on LinkedIn, on YouTube. If you want to know exactly when we are going live, then go to CRESuccess.co forward slash keys. By going there, you'll not only get the content, but you'll also get additional resources to help you level up in each of the seven keys. Plus, by joining us live, you'll be able to ask a question so I can specifically help you in the way that you are looking for support to start your journey of mastery in those seven keys to success in commercial real estate. Okay, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Thanks so much for listening and I will speak to you soon. Thanks for listening to CRE Success, the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform and be sure to leave us a five-star review. For more information about the show, just check the show notes on your podcast app or visit us online at cresuccess.co. Now the world of work has changed, everyone's looking for new ways to add flexible working into their plans and portfolios. Hub Australia is the national expert in premium flexible workspaces that offer five-star hospitality service. Hub Australia is already partnering with leading developers, Brookfield and Amalgamated Property Group to deliver the future of work for their tenants. Head to hubaustralia.com to learn more about Australia's leading flexible workspace experts.